Welcome back. You are listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Horst, and I'm your host for the show and one of the pastors at Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are a first time listener, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay up to date on our most uh, recent podcasts as well as uh, any in our history. I think we're up to episode 170 now. Um, So we hope you have enjoyed for those of you who have been listening all this time. Also, um, if you would like to partner with us and be a part of what God is doing at Life Church and be able to invest in that, we would love to invite you to give to Life Church. Uh, you can do that by going to lifechurchcanton.org slash give. There's information there for how you can give as well as information on um, how your giving makes an impact. Uh, right now, you're going to be hearing a sermon today. Uh, this is part of our series called The Code, where we talk uh, about who we are as a church, who we've been, who we are, who we're becoming. And um, this sermon specifically is from Pastor Nathan, and he's talking about the relentless pursuit of one more. He'll talk all about that in the sermon, so if you're not sure what that means, uh, please listen all the way through. It's a good one. Hope you enjoy. God, this moment is all about you, and that you are moving in our midst and you are speaking through all of us, and that you are telling us something about who you are. You continue to prove to us who you are, and so we acknowledge that we believe in you, and we believe in what the Holy Spirit is doing through us, even when we can't see it, even when it seems far off. Thank you for this moment of worship. Thank you for this moment where we got to glorify you in spirit and in truth. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. You can have a seat. All right. I'm, uh, I'm supposed to preach after that. But I'm uh, just so grateful that, that you encountered Jesus, hopefully, that, that something in that moment spoke to you. It could be quiet. It can be loud. You could be like, what is going on? But God, has he shown up for our team? As you just heard, he's showing up for you. And uh, that's part of who we are, is that when you come here, you encounter Jesus. In fact, that's part of our code. Our code is that you belong, you have this place of enough safety for you to encounter Jesus through God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, that you get to encounter Him. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my honor to talk to you about this series, The Code, because it informs everything that we do. We really literally had a conversation about this morning and said, what is this morning going to be about? It's about a relentless pursuit of one more person, but we have to submit to whatever God does in the midst of it. And so this didn't happen at first. (laughs) It did happen differently. That's because God moves. So I want you to know that if you're in this room, you're here for a reason, and that He wanted you to hear that. He wanted you to experience that. And I believe that His Word is going to speak to you as well, uniquely to where you are at. So what's a code? Why is it on our wall? Whether you're online or in person, what are we talking about? Because it might be your first day, and you're like, wait, what are we? We're in the middle of a series. Well, our code, they're declarations. They really are part in the song, like we were just singing. It's our, it's our harmony. I believe that God is singing a song of salvation and redemption over our city, and that each church has a part. The code is simply our part in this divine song, and it gives meaning to who we have been. It's who we were when we started. It's what we did. And it gives purpose to who we are now. It focuses us and guides us. 
but it's also moving us towards where the Spirit is moving as the song shifts and changes as He is speaking. It is what keeps us on the path that God has set before us. So our code, we attach all kinds of things to it. All of our next steps are attached to it. But what I want you to know is this is who we are and who God has called us to be. And our code is ultimately found in the heart of Jesus Christ for us. It's found in the Word of God. Jesus came for a purpose, and that purpose is going to come into the world through us because He has left us for that mission. I want to talk to you about John 4.34 briefly. It's one of my favorite verses. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, My food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Jesus is doing what God is doing. He came as a perfect sacrifice, but he had a mission as well, a mission for us. But I love about that. He says, my food. Man, he had an appetite for something. He had a desire. He wasn't going to be satisfied until he what? Did the will of God the Father. So Jesus was hungry. Are you hungry? I wonder if we're hungry for something besides lunch. Like, are we hungry? Do we have an appetite for something? Because Jesus was hungry to do the will of God. And I hope that this is like an appetizer at best. It, it, it gets you excited about what God is doing. But we also hear that Jesus' heart for us, for you, for me, it never stops. It never stops. He will pursue you day after day after day after day after day. Because Jesus' heart for us is relentless. It doesn't stop. Jesus' heart for you is relentless. Do you believe that? Do you feel that? Are you letting that, you hear it, but are you letting yourself be reminded of that? Because most of this life hints at abandoning you, but Jesus never will. Relentless, that word. Do you like that word? I love that word, relentless. I'm more of an eight uh, personality, so I'm, I'm, you know, aggressive like in some ways. So relentless is like, I love that word. It's a good word. But what does relentless mean? It means oppressively constant. <laughs> it means incessant. And those are negative terms, but I, I see them as positive because that's my mind. Um, well, let me put it into a better perspective. Maybe constant and consistent pressure, perseverance in one direction. Relentless can be something that seems uh, aggressive, like football teams pushing against each other, relentless, or it can see just constant and consistent in one direction. Jesus' heart for you is relentless. Like calling it kind of this way, never stop, never stopping, you know, double negatives, whatever, but it, it, it means we just keep going towards this mission of Jesus to relentlessly pursue one more person so that they have relationship with his Father, God, so that they have salvation. And he's coming. He's coming for all of us. Today, we're going to talk about how that mission of Jesus pushed into the early church, specifically a man named Philip, a disciple who was there for all of Jesus' miracles and was there when he was resurrected. Let's go into John 14, 6 through 7. It'll be on the screens. Uh, we're going to be in Acts 8 a lot today, but just briefly, I want to jump into John 14. Jesus is talking to Philip. Philip says, show us God. Show us the Father. And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You may know that, that scripture verse, powerful. 
And he says, if you really know me, Philip, and he's talking to the disciples and Philip, if you know me, then you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus goes on and continues to tell what's next, but he's saying, you've seen God because you've seen me, Philip. You've seen God because you have seen me. Verse 12, a few verses later, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. He's saying, I have a mission, and now I'm giving it to you, Philip, disciples, early church. I'm giving you the commission to go, to heal the sick, to bind up the brokenhearted, to speak truth, to change the world. I'm giving it to you, Philip. Then Jesus dies and resurrects, and he goes into heaven and leaves with the church what he has for them. Wow. The encounter with Jesus, Philip could have stopped there. He encountered God the Father, and he couldn't stop there. Uh, Could have, but he didn't. He moved forward. God is relentless in his heart for you, and so Jesus was relentless in his mission to see the world transformed. The early church was relentless in its evangelism and its pursuit of people, and you, you must, because you have encountered God, you must, through the power of the Holy Spirit, relentlessly pursue other people. Our code is relentless pursuit of one more, one more, one more. How much is enough? One more. This is one more. Just give me one more. Just one more. Our desire is to bring the truth of who Jesus Christ is to one more person, to one more person. See, you belong and encounter Jesus. It's to create an environment where we encounter the presence of God. But we have to take that with us. Once we encounter him, we have to take it. See, I I love the rest of our codes because it starts to shift into this idea of what we do to be part of Jesus's mission, to be part of the transformation. So what did the church do after Jesus ascended, Acts 8. We're going to be in this one for a little bit. If you have it on your Bibles, you can pull it out. But Acts 8, verse 25. So after they had further, continuing, proclaimed the word of God and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, while they're in the middle of ministry, go south to the road, you know, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So uh, Philip got a prayer group together to see if he had heard from God and thought about it and journaled about it. And then he, no, he got up and he left. He went right away. He heard from God and he was obedient. He left. Philip received a word of God to go and so he went. He left what he was doing and the ministry he was in and he went because he was obedient. Verse 27, so he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. This is chock full of really interesting stuff. A a, a couple of notes. A eunuch is one who is castrated. 
They do not have, uh, they're emasculated that has been completely taken off. And the purpose of that was to help them focus on their job, especially if they were serving uh, a, a woman, a woman leader, because they were, you know, worried about things happening. But it, it, uh, most likely it was because it helped them focus on what they were doing. So he was Ethiopian, is a person of color, and he was a eunuch, very unique he was charged of the treasury, so he was an important individual in charge of all of the finances. He served the Kandake, which is the queen of the Ethiopians. So what was going on there is the queen would rule. Um, the queen's son was the king, but he was considered close to God, if not deity, so he wasn't in charge of really anything. He was more of a figurehead. So this woman was in charge, which means he controlled the money for the power, most powerful person in Ethiopia important person. Many believe that this eunuch was trying to convert to Judaism. That's probably why he was uh, there and why he was going and reading the scroll. However, Jewish or not, he couldn't truly be part of that religion because of the rules around emasculation and saying, you don't belong, you can't be part of this, you are other, you are not worthy. So he had influence, but it only went so far, and he found hope in Judaism. Now, he's reading Isaiah, and my guess is that he was reading this passage, which precedes the passage we're about to read inside of Acts, uh, again and again and again. And what passage am I referring to? I'm referring to Isaiah 56, 4 through 5. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Can you imagine if you were the eunuch or or maybe you couldn't have children that this passage may speak some life to you, that you could leave a legacy, that you not only that could have purpose, something that would last? I mean, this is very directly talking. I love how the Old Testament gets a little gritty at times. In a more literal translation, it says, I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. I mean, they're being very direct about what they're saying. The eunuch is experiencing hope. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is moving through Scripture. See, Christians only had the Old Testament at this point as Scripture. And so in it is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is moving and guiding this man. This chapter of Isaiah. Let's go back to Philip. So Acts 8, 29 through 31. The Spirit told Philip, go up to the chariot chariot, and stay near it. There's an inference here that this is instantaneous, that this is right away. As soon as he shows up to the road, the chariot goes by. And Philip sees the chariot and God says, go up to the chariot. Now it's not like you just walk up to the chariot and it stopped. No, it's, it's moving, which means Philip had to run alongside the chariot, which is a very odd and weird thing to do. But... Philip thought about it for a minute. No, the Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet and then says, do you understand what you're reading? Like that, that's kind of a bold thing to say to this upper class individual, this person who has a guard and, and uh, was, he was lowly and dirty and dusty and, and, and he's talking to someone who's high up. Well, that's not how he was received. He said, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading. This is just paragraphs away 
from the story of the hope for eunuchs. Now, this is what it says. He's, he's talking about the suffering servant. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Talking about Jesus. Do you see that connection as well? He doesn't have descendants. Something is different. He was taken from the earth. And it's, it's beautiful what the eunuch asks next. He says this, Tell me please, in verse 34, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. If you were here last week with Jared and you heard about Jesus on the road to Emmaus shows up and he talks to people and explains the scriptures to him, I can't help but see the absolute parallel between what Jesus did and what Philip did. See, Philip shows up as a stranger. He shows up and opens the scriptures to a stranger and explains to them Jesus revealed God through the Word of God over and over again. And then, in a moment, stops, and you'll see what happens next. Here's what happens next. Verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So stranger shows up reveals the scriptures, brings them to a faith in Jesus Christ, and then baptizes him, which is a sacramental act, just like Jesus did as he broke bread. And as he broke the bread, everyone saw him for who he was. And as this man was baptized, he countered Jesus through Philip. When we relentlessly pursue one more, we help people encounter Jesus through us. That's our job. It was clear that God gave it to Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus gave it to the church, and the church gave it to us. This is our role. This is our job. We have a job to do, and we have to see it through. We can't stop at the encounter. We got to take the encounter through. I love the uh, Old Testament, and the Old Testament scholars and, and um, priests would say, if God reveals something into it to you in the Word of God, if you're reading it and something is moved in your spirit, that work that God is doing is not complete until you share that with someone else. The encounter you have for Jesus is for you, but it also is through you to other people. But it doesn't stop there. Listen to what happens next. Verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Isn't that crazy? That, anyone else shocked by that? Anyone else have questions about that? What this is saying is that as he brought him down into the water and came out, he came out of the water and Philip was gone. Can you imagine being the eunuch, just being like, where'd he go? Where'd that guy go? Is he in the water? Is he dying? Where is he? He's gone. He's with people. And they're like, we don't know where he went. I can't see him. He's gone. Can you imagine that feeling, this powerful moment of the Holy Spirit working through every portion of this conversation and then almost putting like a stamp on it 
And I can't help but see that's exactly what Jesus did. He broke bread. They saw who he was. They're like, Jesus. And he's like, poof, gone. Can you imagine being Philip? It's being like greater things than this. This is fantastic. He must have, I'm trying to like understand what this kind of would be like in our context if this happened to me. It would feel like I'm here preaching and then all of a sudden God goes, says, go down to the field out on the outskirts of town now. And I'm like, okay. And I just leave. I don't know. I'm leave the ministry I'm doing. And I walk out into this middle of the field. And all of a sudden you hear this. And what comes out of the sky is a spaceship. And it's from Amazon. It's, 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 it's Jeff Bezos' company. And, and it's one of his other employees that he put into space. And it stops. And, and the, the, the CFO or whoever, the chief financial officer comes out and finds out that there was a problem. And, and the ship wasn't supposed to land here, but it did. And, and here he is. And he comes talk to me. And I'm just standing in the middle of the field like, hey, how are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm kind of bored. I've been sitting here on my Amazon Kindle Fire, which is crap, I'm realizing. It's not good. It's a really terrible tablet. All it has on there is this thing called the Bible, and I'm reading in John about this guy named Jesus, and uh, Jeff says he was going to send some drones just to pick me up and take me back to wherever rich people live, but like, like, he's not here, and I'm confused, and I don't understand what this is, and I sit there, and I talk to him, and I hear his struggles in his life, and I talk to him about Jesus, and I find out that, that he can't have kids. He can't have kids. I don't know. Maybe he was in space too much, and there's radiation out there. I don't know. He can't have kids. And he's broken up about it. And he doesn't know what the kind of legacy he's, he's bringing. I mean, he's making as much money as possible, and he sees Jeff, and Jeff has more money than any human ever. And he's like, I just don't know what kind of legacy I'm leaving. So, like, I talk to him, and he comes to faith in Jesus, and then we go down to a creek, and in his spacesuit, I baptize him. And, and then I pull him out of the water, and as he's coming out of the water, I disappear and find myself in a place that needs ministry called Ann Arbor. I don't know. Like, <laughs> covered in water, going, what the crap just happened? I just talked to a spaceman and brought him to Jesus. That is kind of what's happening here powerful moment. Wouldn't you love for that to happen to you? None of you would believe me. Not a single one of you would believe me if I told you that happened. That was so cool, but don't you want that moment? That moment where all the, the planets align, although that's not good theology, but you know what I mean? Like everything's perfect and, and you show up and there's one person who says, hey, can you tell me about Jesus Christ? I think I need, you know, there's this moment and you don't have to do anything and it's just God ordained moment. Don't we all want that? We all want our Philip moment. We do. But Philip wasn't waiting for his moment. He was ministering as he was going, and God saw an obedient servant, and for his purposes alone, not because he was obedient, but because God is good, he says, this man needs you now, and put him where he needed to be. See, all of us want our Philip moment, but we ignore that we have already been placed in places where we can pursue people, and it's our joy to do that. Our encounter with Jesus empowers us to help others encounter Jesus through us. Jesus was hungry to do the will of the Father, and Philip caught that hunger. He had that appetite, and God used him to reach someone in their darkest moment and speak truth, to bring the good news to all we see is our goal to relentlessly pursue one more. But we do that together, you and me, us together in small groups and in communities. It isn't supposed to be done alone. 
So how do we relentlessly pursue Christ together? Well, first of all, I want you to know as a code, this is who we have been. Our church has grown and moved um, from middle school to middle school to or elementary school to elementary school into a building, and, and we've always created space for people. That's how we've done it in the past, inviting people to this place, having as many people show up to this place so that they might hear the word of God, that they were willing to give up and be inconvenienced for the sake of the good news that they wanted to share. Recently, we've done Cross Equals Love together where hundreds of people have come to faith during this series because you invited them to church, yes, but more so because you learned how to tell your testimony. That part of getting baptized is you learning how to tell your story because your story connects to other people's story. And we have these domino effects of someone who gets up here, shares their testimony, someone comes to faith and gets baptized, someone, boom, 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 because their encounter with Jesus when spoken helps others encounter Jesus. Do you see how this is all connected? We'll continue to do cross equals love because it's so important. It's not about getting people in the building. It's about helping them encounter Jesus. So we'll pursue them. We'll go after them. We won't stop. This is who we are right now. Philip was on a team and served together, and we are called to do that as well. Whether it was coming here and cleaning up the campus, that was really amazing, or Vacation Bible School this last summer changed the way we did it. So instead of having everybody come here, we went out there, and people hosted Bible studies in their own homes, and they created these relationships with their neighbors, ongoing relationships where they can continue to follow up with them. We had people who'd never been to church before, who didn't know God come to these events, and now they have a connection with the host and the person leading it. So what I'm calling, yeah, that's really good. I think that fruit will be something we, we don't fully see for a while. But what does that mean? It means if you want to take that Connect card and take your next step to engage the code, it might mean that you need to volunteer. To, to not volunteer, but be part of it. To like say, hey, I want to be part of what's going on here. And our volunteer director, Bridget, is going to help you find the right place for you. And if you're like, I don't know where my right place is. I'm just starting this journey. The life journey is a great place. Along the way, we'll help you find a place. But maybe it means partnering up with what's happening here, becoming part of it. Each of our codes has a commitment that our partners, our staff, and the people who commit to it every year, at the end of this series, we do these things, and we talk to each other, and we encourage each other. And because of that, we are able to go beyond. You can be an attender as long as you want. I, I, I love that. I love that you can come here, first time, guest, whatever. I, I want you to feel comfortable there to a point. I want to challenge you beyond, though, because I can see what God could do through you and the call that we have on our lives. And partnerships one of the ways you can do that. Another way you can do that, partners do this, but as well as give. Now, often we do the giving at the end. I just want to let you know that if you want to give, if you want to be consistent, then we would love for you to do that. There's a link going up online. On your Now page, you can find the link to do recurring giving, or you can give every month online. You can give in the room. But we're encouraging people to become consistent in their investment. And this group of people who are relentlessly pursuing one more, that's where the money goes to, towards making the name of Jesus Christ greater than any name. And soon, we're going to spend more and more energy on leaving this place, going out of this place, and bringing the presence of God into our community. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I've got to wait until the right time to tell you about what God is going to do in the next decade here. 
This drives who we will be, speaking of the future, relentlessly pursuing one more as we move forward. That might mean that you need to get baptized in the future. Tell your story. You can sign up for New Life Sunday. That's coming up for that. We need to pursue people outside of the church. No longer wait for them to come and see, but we need to go and pursue those who need the hope of Jesus Christ, just like the eunuch. When we moved up here, um, the, the, we had to find a house, and it was crazy. It, it, it's crazier now, but it was still crazy back then about three years ago. And you would put uh, offer after offer after offer after offer after offer, and like nothing would come back. In fact, the time I actually got my house, we made like a lowball offer, which was only asking price. That was the, the place of it. And, and they were like, yeah, you got it. No argument, no nothing. And I just felt like shocked by it because we had tried so hard. But I was confident, and, and why was I confident? Because when we moved to Canton, we knew God is calling us to live in Canton. Beyond that, we didn't know. So we didn't look for the exact right thing or anything like that. We just prayed and said, God, you will show us the place we need to be. You will make our path straight because we prayed this. God, plant us in a neighborhood that needs your presence. Now, that's how you should buy a home. And I'm dead serious. Plant us in a place that needs your presence, saying, God, use me. Put me in a neighborhood that needs the presence of God. Because as I am going, I'm relentlessly pursuing one more. And it's hard, and it takes time. My question to you, this is my statement to you, you are planted in a neighborhood for a reason, that the Holy Spirit has led you there, and it's for your neighbors. So relentlessly pursue them. What you're not going to do is go home, knock on the door, and say, hey, my pastor told me that you're a big sinner and you need to follow Jesus. So I'm asking you to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior of your life right now. And if you, I'm going to be relentless in this and I'm not leaving your porch until you follow Jesus. Don't do that. Unless God very specifically tells you that, don't do that. Let me ask it this way. If you're going to challenge people to understand God, you need to know them to some extent. Yes, there are moments where it's like Philip and you just show up. And I pray you have many of those. But I pray that you also have relentless, consistent ones as well, where you love on someone again and again and again and again and again so that they know Jesus Christ. And often that's not going to happen without you knowing their deep pain, like the eunuch's deep pain and speaking to them about how God is going to meet them in that pain and encounter them in it. That takes relationship, does it? It does. You know, it's interesting, in my previous home, um, I lived across the street from an individual. Um, his, his wife was a believer, but he was an atheist. And we started having these conversations again and again and again, hours and hours and hours. You know the kind of conversations I'm talking about where you're trying to trim your lawn or trim, trim the, the edges and then they come over and just start talking to you and all of a sudden it's dark and half your lawn's messed up because you haven't finished it yet. You know what I'm talking about? I hope you do. And we're talking and, and, it, and his wife's sitting there and knows I'm a pastor and is sitting there like, like lead him to Jesus, lead him to Jesus, lead him to Jesus, like that. And I'm just like, chill. <laughs> just... Like, and they don't go to my church. I don't know them. So we start talking to them, and, and, um, and then they start coming to the church eventually, and then these kids get baptized, and he's standing there on the stage next to his children as they're telling their testimony of who God is, and it's powerful. And I'm watching his face as he sits next to the water, and he looks as his kids are coming out, and he is wrecked. Something is happening to him, but it doesn't happen then either. 
more conversations and more time. And he keeps going up to church because his wife was like, if you don't come to the life journey, because we had it there too, with me, like, I'm going to be super mad. You're coming to this class with me. And so we have an atheist inside there learning about Jesus. And he just doesn't care. And then all of a sudden, there's this moment <laughs> where he says, you know, I, had to get my, I knew I had to get my life right. I said, what was the moment? Well, I was tired and I was working the night shift and I fell asleep at the wheel and got into an accident where it mangled my car completely. And as I was, uh, it was the middle of the day and I should have died, but then I didn't. And as he's telling the story, another person in the room says, shut up. And I'm like, what? He goes, hold on, hold on, stop. This guy was a very gruff and aggressive man. He goes, was it on this street at this time, this year? And they're like, he's like, yeah, and his face starts to drain of color. And he says, you don't recognize me, do you? And he goes, no, what? Because I was behind you when you wrecked. I don't even know you. I met you today. And he pulls out his phone, and he shows him the picture of the wreck and says, I was there praying for you that you would be okay. And it didn't happen then. It happened when I'm in the backyard doing my thing, and he calls me, and he says, hey, Nathan, I need to talk to you. I said, come on over. He comes over with his weed whacker and sets it down, and he says, okay, don't tell, you, don't tell my wife. I'm, he, she thinks I'm doing the law, and I'm like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen right now? <laughs> and he says, I think I want to follow Jesus. And I led him to Christ in that moment. It's years of how many people. That's what it means to be relentless. I didn't tell that story in first because I think that's for someone here. I think it is that we need to know the names of our neighbors and their hurts and their pains, and we need to love them through it no matter what for maybe one chance, one moment that they would choose to follow. I wish those joys that I have experienced would be yours so that you would know how worth it the suffering is to get there. Students, if you are hurting, we want to love you through all this. But if you're in a place where you're like kind of okay, which is amazing, God's working in you because this has been rough, there are those who feel so lonely in your classrooms and around you. Love them well, relentlessly, and you may have the opportunity to speak life into them. Some of us are waiting for a Philip moment, but Philip's moment came as he was going. So finally, I'm asking you to pray. Go talk to your neighbors, but I want you to pray because that's how this is done. That's how this happens. Pray for those. I have a family member. Um, he's my father-in-law. And man, it's been a rough journey with him. He, uh, he, he knew God, we think, but fell away pretty spectacularly and struggled with alcoholism for years and not being there. Uh, uh, for his family, which has affected my relationship as well with my wife, and it's been hard, and we've been praying for years and years, and I've, I've prayed for him, and, and my wife has prayed for him, and, and everybody's prayed for him for so long, but I'm going to be honest, there was a point and, that I was like, there's no hope. There's no hope for this guy. He's too, he's too gripped, and I just kept praying and praying and praying, and, and, and you know what? God is showing up. Now, the end of the story is not that he's following Christ yet. That's, that's not the end of the story, but what's happening is that he has quit drinking and has been starting to get well and has been starting to show up and starting to have relationship. Sometimes relentless takes decades. But I want you to know, 
I wasn't in a place where I could pursue him very well. All I could do was pray because I am weak. That's so painful. But God, through his Holy Spirit, transforms. This is not your job to fix people. It's your job to help them encounter Jesus through you. So pray, pray. It does more than you know. God is relentless in his love and heart for you. Jesus' mission here was relentless in bringing all to know him. The early church, including Philip, was relentless in their pursuit of other people to know Jesus Christ. And you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, must become relentless. A man who came into my backyard and eventually told his wife he accepted Jesus and then got baptized and all this kind of stuff, he's now helping others know who Jesus Christ is because he had an encounter. And so have you. So you have something to offer as we pursue others together. For some of you, today is your day to follow Jesus, to accept what he has done for you. So we're going to do that in a moment. But I want all of us, as we stand to our feet, to prepare our hearts for what God's going to do next. So let's stand. We are not done yet. We are not done yet. Rest in the presence of God and know that he's doing something incredible. If you want to follow Jesus with your heart and your mind and your soul, if you want to take that next step, I ask that you would pray with me. It's just talking to God. But for all the rest of us who already have, I want you to prepare your heart for what we're going to do next through communion and worship. Let's close our eyes. If you want to follow God, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the Lord of your life, talk to him right now. You could pray something like this in your own heart, how loud in your own words. doesn't matter. Have an encounter with him. Say something like this. God, I need someone to give me hope. I need someone to connect me back to you. I don't even know what it's like to be full or 100% complete because I'm missing something. It's you. So today I know I need someone to rescue me. And that person is Jesus, your son, who died to cover my brokenness and my sin, but also to connect me back to you. So today I choose to follow, to give over everything I have. And I'll get baptized. And then I'll tell everyone else about this new life that I have found. Make me new. Make me clean and pure. And give me your heart for those who are lost. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, I just have to say that the story of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is is a favorite of mine um, because it's one of those moments, one of the first moments actually that the church, um, specifically Philip, who is representing the church, the way, goes outside of what's normal and starts to tell about the good news of Jesus to somebody who would have been uh, really seen as on the outside of his day. And I personally just have a heart for people who have been sort of outside the church in America 
who've been burned by the church, maybe. Um, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're listening today and you're giving church, you're giving sermons, you're giving God one last shot. And I'm very grateful that you're listening today. And, and I hope that you have gathered, gathered a sense of God's peace and comfort and presence with you today. Uh, if so, we'd love to know about it. Uh, fill out a connect card. You can go to lifechurchcanton.org slash now. There's a button there that says connect card. And we'd love to have you fill that out and uh, send it our way. And then we would love to be in touch with you as soon as we can to help you take your next steps. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you back here real soon.